welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, my friends. How are you all doing? Lovely to see you. Uh, my name is Micah, if we have not met. I'm the lead pastor here at Awaken. Glad you're here. Uh, I have just returned from Denver, if you did not know. Uh, every year about this time, in January, end of February, the Covenant, which is the denomination that we're a part of, Sen uh, has an annual gathering called Midwinter. It's usually in Chicago, which, you know, everybody wants to go to Chicago in January. <laughs> we, were, we, we were there one year when there was a snowstorm that was so huge, they had like 15-foot waves that came up over the shore of Lake Michigan onto Michi- uh, like the, the, the what? Thank you, Lakeshore Drive. There were cars that were frozen to the street. Not even kidding you. So we were glad to be there then. Um, but be that as it may, uh, I wanted to show you guys something I was able to see, uh, which is a video that was made that's basically just a year in review in the covenant. And if you didn't know, we are a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is doing some amazing, amazing things in the world. Uh, And I think I forget sometimes, and every year when I go to these, I get a little teary-eyed at the end. It says, uh, you know, you are bearing fruit, or the gospel is bearing fruit in the world as it is bearing fruit in you. And, uh, and so I want to just remind you, maybe invite you in for the first time if you don't know anything about the covenant. So this is just a little bit about the ways in which God is at work in the covenant, which you all, which we are, a part of. So take a look at this, and then we'll jump into Hebrews. Isn't that cool? You guys are a big deal. We were in the video. Did you see that? It's like, <laughs> they did not ask for that. We, uh, we get no royalties from that, so... No, very cool, though. Uh, so I just want to remind you that, you know, Awaken is this, you know, little, little church that could. And uh, honestly, like, the covenant is this little denomination that could, that God is doing some amazing things through uh, across the world. Uh, we have people come and speak at these conferences every, every year, and often they'll bring in people who are outside of the covenant, and inevitably they talk about, there's something that's happening among this group of people that's really, really cool. So well done. Uh, you're a part of that. We're a part of that. So, uh, you were born at Swedish Covenant Hospital. There you go. See, product of our own ministry, right there, <laughs> Tracy Parkinson. Can you bring it down just a little bit, volume-wise, Johnny? That'd be great. Thanks. Um, all right. So, if you have your Bibles, get them out. I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter three. Last week we talked about this idea uh, of who built God's house or who is building God's house, and the writer of Hebrews makes this compare and contrast between Moses and Jesus. Jesus, or Moses was a servant in God's house, but Jesus is the son of the owner of the house, as it were, in the metaphor. And I challenged us to think about how we hold our beliefs, and that that's important. How we hold the beliefs that we, that we have is as, as important as the beliefs in and of themselves. And reminded us that, listen, friends, in our, in, in, as Christians in the world, our job, our call, our invitation is to demonstrate and announce the work of God in the world. And, and God's job is to judge and defend, and we sort of leave that over here. Um, today, the, the author of Hebrews stays in this, uh, this Moses story or this Exodus story and offers a warning to the people. And as we read, it becomes very clear. The warning is to not allow our hearts to become hardened, um, which, of course, is only a problem that first century Bible people have. So, um, let's go ahead and read it. Chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. I'll ask you to stand as we read God's word. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Pray with me. God, as we gather this morning and as we open your word and our hearts and our lives to what you might say to us, uh, I pray that, God, wherever we are, that you would find us there and that you would invite us one step further, one step closer, an invitation into who you've called us to be. Uh, God, just in, in the wake of being in Denver with these people and this group, uh, this family called the Covenant, I'm grateful, uh, not because our denomination is the best, but because you've been faithful and that these people whose shoulders we stand on have figured out a way to live faithful lives uh, with Jesus at the center. And I pray, God, that we would be found faithful, that we would continue to keep what's essential in the center, that we would, be, uh, we would have unity, uh, on non-essentials, and that, God, as we do your work in the world, that you would continue to move uh, deeper and deeper and further and further into the thing that you call the kingdom, uh, the hopes and the dreams that you have for this world. So we humbly say yes to your invitation, and we ask that you would uh, speak to us today, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. So uh, as you open Hebrews, uh, this passage this morning, it's clear if you are paying attention that the author is quoting from another book. In, in your Bibles, oftentimes it's indented, and so there's almost like an, a, a, a formatting uh, hint or key. So you see that, and you're like, okay, the author's quoting from somewhere. Where is he quoting from? And you find that the author is, in fact, quoting from Psalm 95. This is a psalm that begins with a declaration about who God is, what God has done, and then it moves quickly to a warning for the people. And the psalmist is actually quoting or referencing a story that we've all heard about and that we know of, which we just studied. That's the story of the Exodus. So you have the author of Hebrews who's quoting the 95th psalm, who's quoting the Exodus story, or who's tapping into the Exodus narrative. So as we read and we try to understand what the author is getting in Hebrews, to the people that are receiving the letter, we have to keep in mind of where this stream is coming from. So he's absolutely tapping into Moses and Exodus and all of this. And so, uh, and, and sometimes in scripture, it's helpful to know structure. Uh, sometimes in Luke, Luke does this a, a number of times, he'll sandwich two ideas. So he'll, he'll have an idea and he'll put something else in the middle of it and then sandwich it with sort of a, a comeback. And whatever's in the middle is absolutely playing off what came before and after it. Similarly, in Hebrews, the author gives you a warning, and then he gives an example of that warning, the outcome of the example, and then he follows it up with a warning. So that's what I want to do today, sort of unpack those, and then we're going to leave some time at the end, my teaching is shorter than, than normal, to respond to that, because I think it leads us to a place that uh, I think is really good for us to go. So, are you ready? Okie dokie. Part one, uh, verse one, he says, uh, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So the warning is, don't harden your hearts. And we know he's quoting from Psalm 95, which is tapping into Exodus and Moses. Now for a hundred Torah points, we have heard this language of hardening your heart. And who might this be referencing? Pharaoh, well done, everyone. Well done. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's great. Well done, class. So we're talking about Pharaoh. And multiple times, I think it's more than 10 times in the Exodus story, it talks about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And if you were here with us when we studied that, we sort of explored this idea of, 
Is it God who's hardening Pharaoh's heart? Or is there a way to understand it that actually has Pharaoh making decisions on his own as a free agent of a uh, free moral agent in the world, but then leads him down a track that sort of leads to the hardening of his own heart? And if you remember, the word for harden can actually be translated harden or strengthen. And the first five times it's used in Exodus, it's actually Pharaoh doing the strengthening or the hardening of his own heart. Now, I grew up with four brothers, and uh, as you can imagine, when there is snow on the ground, uh, we would have epic snowball fights. And so we would go out into the front yard, and we would sort of, we would, we would pick sides, and there was always one side with three people, and, or unless we had a neighbor kid, one side with two. You guys remember the bread tins your mom used to bake bread in? They make the best, like, uh, snow molds to make uh, sort of, what do you call this? Like a fortress. They are fantastic. They're great. You should try it. So we would get the bread molds out, and we'd stack them up like igloos, and we'd build this fortress, and then we would begin making these snowballs, hundreds of them, just strengthening our position against the enemy who was out in front of us, right, across the, across the yard. And I want to suggest, I want to maybe offer this metaphor as a way to understand, like, what does it mean to strengthen your own heart? What does it mean to harden your heart if those two words can be connected to one another? Where we strengthen our position over and against something else. And what does it mean to harden your heart or strengthen your heart against the things of God? Where sometimes it's an invitation that we, we sort of know that we know that God is asking us to move this way. Think Jonah, right? The story of Jonah. And we kind of, we harden our heart. We strengthen our heart against or we move away from the things of God. And this is exactly what the author is getting at. This is exactly what he's referencing. And this is what he's warning them about. Don't do that. Just like Pharaoh, who strengthened, hardened his heart and became callous towards the things of God to be able to hear and see and respond to the, to the movement of God in the world. Don't harden your heart towards that. Then he gives an example of that, right? He says, in verse 8, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time in the wilderness. So he's talking about the Israelites who come out of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the wilderness where they then begin to become callous and hardened towards and to the voice of God, the things of God, the movement of God in their midst. If you remember this story. And I want to sort of, you, you could study the whole Exodus and, 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 and I think it would be a good exercise to say like, what does it look like to rebel or to harden one's heart against God or towards the things of God? And read the Exodus as a, as a case study of that. I'll just narrow it down to a couple of ideas and maybe you could explore it on your own more. But for sure, I think the Israelites, there was a lack of gratitude towards God where there was grumbling and complaining and just a, a, a lack of thankfulness to the God who brought them out of Egypt and saved them and redeemed them and then brought them out and then you know, offered or, or responded to their grumbling and their moaning with manna and quail and water from the rock, if you remember this story. And there's just this lack of gratitude. And I maybe some of you who have kids know what I'm talking about here, right? You go to the water park you buy tickets for everybody. You get popcorn. You get cotton candy. You get soda. You say yes as much as you can. Everybody's, you know, you're going down the water slides. You're going on the deal, the, the hoverboard surf thing. Have you ever done that? Watch out if you go down the wrong way. Some poor kid, I saw him just deep pantsed him right there on the, on the slide. 
So you're there, and you're just having a great time, and the time ends, and you go home, and you get there, and one of the kids is like, can we have some cake? And you're like, you know, I think we probably have had enough sugar. What the heck? Why do you never do anything for us? It's like never. We never get anything. <laughs> have you ever been there before? And you're like, hello, have you not been alive the last 12 hours where we bought you $48 tickets to get into that awesome water park? You're just like, so ungrateful. Lack of gratitude, you know? God does whatever God does. And listen, we could just tell story after story after story after story of the ways in which God has moved and healed and restored. And, and sometimes we're like, come on, God, why aren't you? Better? This is Israel in the desert. It's a good thing we don't do that, though. They, for, they forgot. I think, secondly, if you were to say lack of gratitude, it just comes from forgetfulness, where we forget. I mean, if you've, if you've I would encourage you to do this. There, uh, there's been seasons in my life where I just keep a journal, and uh, on the back of the journal, whatever journal I've started, I, I keep a list of just ways in which God moved. And I did that right at the beginning of this church plant, actually. And sometimes I forget and something happens and we come to a, a crisis or we come to a moment where we're, 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 uh, we're pressed or we're, we need to, you know, sort of make decisions that are hard and, and we forget this litany, this list of ways that God has been faithful time and time and time and time and time again. And we cry out and we're like, God, where are you? Will you be? But we have this list of ways in which God has been faithful. And sometimes we just forget. And I think for Israel, sometimes there was, there was just, and I, I hesitate to say this because this one goes south very quickly uh, in some religious circles, but I think at some points there was a lack of faith. There was just a lack of trust. A lack of faith and trust in the God who said, I will redeem you. I will take you as my own. I will make you a people, the four I wills of Exodus 6. And a lack of faith and a lack of trust in the God who says, this is who I am. And when this goes bad, of course, you're praying for something and it doesn't happen and somebody tells you, well, it's because you don't have enough faith. And then you made you feel terrible and guilty and like you're a horrible person. And that's not what I'm trying to do here. But I think sometimes... There's a lack of faith, a lack of trust. And I'll share more in a little bit. I've been very convicted by this this week. So there's, an, there's, a, there's a warning and then an example, those people in the great rebellion. And that's kind of what it looked like for them, this grumbling in the desert, this lack of gratitude, forgetting, lack of trust. And so the Israelites had a hard heart, the scriptures say. They couldn't hear or feel or respond to the leading of God's invitation. And so they find themselves on the edge of the promised land. Twelve spies go in, ten come back, and they're like, no way. We are dead meat if we go in there. These are the same people who just walked through the Red Sea. <laughs> like, right? No, it can't be done. No way. Impossible. And two were like, hello, was anybody there at that day? Do you remember that? And then, of course, God's anger, that whole generation dies in the desert. Which leads me to a third part in this, where your ancestors tested and tried me. That, I, that is why I was angry with that generation. 
So there's a warning, there's an example. And then the outcome of that example is a, maybe a, 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 sh- a small reminder to us this morning that our choices matter. What you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus, it matters. What you do in the world with your one wild and precious life matters. What is of light and of love and of God will last in this world and in the next. What is not of light, what is of darkness and of evil will not last in the world to come. That's what resurrection says. On the great day when God, when we, when God accounts for all, that which is of light and of love and of hope and of God will last and that which is not won't. Our choices matter. I'm not like a hellfire and brimstone kind of preacher. I don't typically do that if you've ever been a part of one of those situations. Because I think a lot of times guilt and like terror is used to manipulate people to sort of turn towards because if you don't want that, so you better move this way. And I just think that's... What do I think about that? I think it's a poor excuse. I think it's a a really manipulative move. But I would be doing a disservice to you if I didn't say and didn't stop here and remind us that your choices matter. These people's choice to not trust God and that God was with them and for them led to all of them dying in the desert and none of them entering the promised land. The spiritual life and knowing God is a relational reality which means that God does not unilaterally do whatever God wants, no matter what you say. In fact, it's the opposite of that. God moves God's purposes and hopes and dreams, the kingdom, in and through the world, through people who say yes to what God invites us to. And to the degree that we say yes to the invitation of God to partner and participate, the kingdom of God comes to earth on, comes on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus' prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever heaven is, this reality where God's hopes and dreams and are real, comes to earth insofar as we say yes. God moves the tracks that God moves the kingdom through and on is relationship. And to the degree that we say no and harden our hearts, God is the ultimate chess player who knows all of the infinite number of possibilities and God uses someone and something else when we say no and respects our decision to opt out now and forever. So, your choices matter. Your life makes a difference. It matters. He gives a warning, an example, an outcome, and then a final warning again. He says, so... Take care that you don't possess an unbelieving heart leading you to withdraw from God. Essentially, he's bringing home this example and this illustration, right? He's saying, the great rebellion in the desert was this group of people whose hearts became hardened and calloused towards the voice and the invitation and the movement of God. And look what happened to them. Don't let it happen to you. Don't harden your hearts. Don't strengthen your will against the things of God because when you do, you get what you want. There's a warning. 
So here's what I want to do today. We're going to end with a time of reflection. I'm going to invite you to a time of confession. The scriptures talks about confession all over the place. James 5, 1 Timothy 2, Psalm 51. That when we confess our sins, when we say, God, I was wrong, please forgive me. I am sorry. Break my heart for the things that break yours. God moves. God listens. God answers. That's what the scripture says. Now, I want to invite us to a time where we, for the first part, we'll do this personally. And I'll invite you to just spend some time between you and the Lord. And maybe there's some confession that needs to take place. Maybe there's some hardness of heart that has developed because you've forgotten. Or there's a lack of trust because any number of reasons. Maybe there's been a lack of gratitude. And it's just this this small, you know how a pearl starts, right? It's this tiny little grain of sand that then builds up and builds up and builds up over time. And before you know it, your your heart is hard to the voice and the movement of God. And maybe you've never experienced God. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. And so it's for the first time, this sort of cracking open of a hard heart. Or maybe you've said yes to Jesus. I've been following Jesus since I was 14 years old, in earnest. And this last week, God did a work in me and is doing a work in me, opening up my hard heart. And so I want to offer an opportunity to do that. And then I want to turn towards us together as a community. Last week, I shared about my brother, and uh, he had brain surgery. And because of that, he wasn't able to speak or move anything on his right side of his body. And when I was here last week, it was scary. I was really scared. And I still am. But this week, I've been confronted with my own lack of belief as your pastor. And it's nothing that I'm proud of. But God, in the way that God does, gently just put a, turned on the lights and put a mirror in front of me. And I began to ask, or the Spirit began to ask, Micah, how much do you long for and thirst for God's movement? How much do you actually desire? How much does your heart break for the things that breaks God's heart? How much do you believe that God can actually heal Josh and wants to heal Josh? And sometimes for me, in this list of why does a heart get hardened, sometimes my head gets in the way. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an intellectual. I think everything through. When I see something for the first time, my question is how does it work and why? And so when I think about prayer, I think of all the reasons, all the, the logical reasons why this is kind of an interesting idea that I'm talking to something that's not here. And I reason my way out of believing that this is actually who God is and this is true about God, that God not only hears but responds and heals and restores and remakes broken things. And I reason my way out of having faith and trust that God wants to heal. And so when I pray, I say, God, you know, if, if you, if you want to heal Josh, okay, awesome, please do that. But, you know, if you don't, help me to figure out how to re- accept that. <laughs> Issa came up to me last week, and, and she's like, I will not pray that God will not heal. I will pray with faith that God will heal. You know how Issa does that, if you know Issa. And I was like, I'm supposed to be saying that. I'm the pastor here. (laughs) 
And so for me, God has just been needling gently with a scalpel on my heart this week. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite the band to come, and we're going to try to create uh, an experience as we close. There's a, a chorus that I sang this last week in Denver that began to melt my heart. And sometimes in the Psalms, there's a refrain where the, the psalmist comes back to something over and over and over again. And I think the purpose of it is to like get it in our brains and get it in our hearts, like one click deeper each time the refrain comes. And sometimes I, you know, we critique modern worship music and it's like, oh my gosh, you sing the same thing over and over again. Like, can anybody think a new thought? You know, the, the hymns, there's some beauty and theology. and Yes. And there's something about breaking down the hardness of our own hearts to the point where we begin to believe what we're singing. And so there's this chorus that says, what does it say? <laughs> Set a fire down in my soul. Uh, <laughs> that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. And so we'll sing that uh, after a time of confession. And if you've never done this before, I, here, here's, here's just really, really simple. I would invite you to hold your hands in front of you in just a moment and close your eyes, whatever you need to do to sort of and pray, God, here I am. Turn on the lights. Whatever is not of you, bring it into the light. And then respond to whatever God might bring out, whatever hardness of heart there may be. And then we'll sing this chorus a number of times together. And I want to invite you to get out of your heads. Don't check your brain at the door. That's never a good idea. But get out of your heads and let it go. If it, if it, if it invites you, if you, you're singing and you want to stand, stand up. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you want to sing louder, sing louder. Let it go. Get out of your head. And then we'll have a time where collectively we spend some time thinking about what do we long for at Awaken? I mean, honestly, when you come here, when we gather, what do we hope for? Do we hope that we'd hear a good sermon and we'd go home and watch the Super Bowl? Or do we really, really desire God to move, to heal and restore and fix marriages and, and put, take broken things and put them back together? Where people who are far from God come near? Is that what we want? Is that what we long for? Then let's say it. Let's pray. Let's confess. If there are things getting in the way of that, then let it out. So this is an invitation. And you can sit back and not respond. But I implore you, don't harden your hearts. I exhort you. I invite you. I encourage you. Let the Spirit break whatever it is hardening in you. So, John Mark's going to sing this chorus so we get a sense for it, and then there'll be a time of silence for you to just think, respond, God, here, here I am, turn on the lights, and respond, whatever it is that God's doing.
and then we'll sing together, and then I'll lead you in the next part. So here's the chorus, and then your time. Friends, my hope and my prayer is that we that we learn to live this out in ways that are real and tangible, that the things that we sing about, that praise the one who raised me from the dead, that we see God work in our own lives. My brother spoke words this week, and he's moving his fingers. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? That's medicine, that's God, that's all of it together. So grace and peace to you. Be encouraged. Know that the God who raised Jesus from the dead is at work in the world. And at work in you. And at work in me. So go spread it around. Go give it away to anybody and everybody who needs it. Amen? Grace and peace. See ya. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.